Chapter 11 How to Embrace Reality It's Not Real The term glass chin or glass jaw comes from the world of boxing. A boxer can be the biggest, baddest behemoth on the planet, but a square hit to his chin and he's out for the count. Fantasy can also look like the biggest, baddest behemoth on the planet. Whatever your cup of fantasy is, there are valid reasons it is so alluring and overpowering. Fantasy lets you eat a dozen donuts a day, but never put on weight. Or bring home a six-figure paycheck without having a job. You can make fantasy whatever you want it. If you can think it, you can have it. When it comes to sexual and relational fantasy, how on earth can this type of enemy be defeated? What you have in reality can't even come close to what you can conjure up in fantasy. But, like the behemoth boxer, fantasy also has a glass chin. Fantasy's glass chin is that it's not real. The only way to use reality to deliver a knockout punch to fantasy's glass jaw is to figure out what is real. What is real is your wife, your children, or future children, your job, your reputation, your ministry, your Christian testimony, your home, your marriage vows, your pets, and everything else you share with your wife. Essentially, what is real is your life. When we are attracted to someone other than our wife, we begin picturing a life with the other woman that is just that, a picture. And guess what? Pictures aren't real. You can put a cardboard cutout of someone in your house, but that picture is not the living, breathing person themselves. You can't live in a picture. Pictures are fantasy, and fantasy will kill you. As we discussed in chapter 4, it's not a good idea to watch television commercials when you're really hungry. Every food commercial, even Burger King, ends up looking so good. The onion, lettuce, and tomatoes on the hamburger glisten as they bounce through a cascade of water droplets to land gracefully on the exquisitely soft golden brown bun. The juicy burger looks gigantic and mouth-watering as its toppings billow out beyond the edges of the bun. You decide you must have this delectable burger, so you get in your car and quickly drive to the nearest BK. At the restaurant, what is the burger like in reality? It is smashed as flat as a pancake. The tomato is a pale pink. It has a single shred of shriveled lettuce, and the ketchup has made a mess of the inside of the wrapper. The top of the smashed bun is shiny from the greasy handprint of the sandwich maker. You take a bite and get all bun and ketchup because the meat and toppings are not stacked evenly. Not exactly how the TV commercial pictured it. It's pretty hilarious and disturbing to type, quote, Burger King Burgers, unquote, into Google Images, and contrast the pictures that come up from the official BK ads with the photos customers have taken of actual burgers. Viewer discretion is advised. The fact is that the food you see in any TV commercial is typically not even edible. 
The deep red you see on strawberries is actually lipstick, and the milk you see in cereal is heavy cream or even glue. Sounds scrumptious, doesn't it? And remember the mouth-watering BK burger you saw before you hopped into your car and headed to the drive-thru? The beef patty was only cooked for 20 seconds on each side, then branded with a skewer, painted with food dye, and cut up and spread out to enlarge it. It's resting on a piece of cardboard to keep the bottom bun looking perky. The sesame seeds are glued onto the bun, and the lettuce, tomato, and pickles are held on by pins. Bon appetit! When we know what something would actually be like if it became a part of our reality, it becomes much less appealing. Like eating a pin-filled glue burger. If I were to actually pursue a relationship with this person I'm attracted to, it would destroy everything I have in my life. When I come to terms with what this destruction would be like, the allure of fantasy fades away. Some may say, quote, but my reality isn't good. The little high I get out of fantasy is better than what my reality can offer me, so I'm going to continue to indulge in it, end quote. This is a moot point, because no matter how good the food looks on TV, you can't eat it. You can bite into your TV screen all you want but your stomach will remain empty. Whatever your alternative, you know for sure that fantasy will kill you. It will not do your body any good whatsoever to eat fantasy food, so why invest any time or energy into it? When we begin to see these temptations as thieves that steal, trap, and imprison us, their enchantment begins to lose its power. I don't care how good-looking an armed thief is, or how low-cut her dress is, I'm certainly not going to let her enter my house to harm my family and rob me of my valuables. I would call the police and, if need be, physically fight her off before I'd allow this to happen, giving no thought whatsoever to how alluring or seductive she might be. If your reality is in rough shape, the solution is not to continue to try to bite into the TV screen or to fantasize about eating imaginary food. It's to learn how to cook. The solution is to make your reality better and to enjoy your reality. It's all you have. So you had better learn to enjoy it. The grass is greener where you water it. The only thing that's real about fantasy is that it will suck your life dry and get you miles and miles off the path God intends for you, leaving you empty and worn out. When fantasy calls your name, say aloud, quote, It's not real, unquote. It's not real. Live in what is. Invest in what is. Lusting over plastic. I do not pay $10 for a movie ticket so I can see Hugh Jackman mow his lawn, take his kids to the doctor, or floss his teeth. I pay $10 because I want to see Wolverine shoot claws out of his wrists and fight against Magneto, Sentinels, and the evils of the Marvel Universe. Fantasy sells, reality doesn't. As entertaining and innocuous as this truth is when it comes to sci-fi and comic book movies, it's also what makes sexual temptation's destruction so widespread throughout society. 
when a man stares at pornography, a Victoria's Secret fashion show, or a racy HBO sex scene, he does not want to know about the actress or model's seasonal allergies, family history, or kids. He doesn't want to think about how she would never let him touch her or even talk to her in a real-life human encounter. All the man wants is for this woman to tell him how much she wants him sexually, while in reality, what she really wants is her paycheck. When a man looks at the cover of a beauty magazine, he doesn't want to know how the photo has been altered to eliminate wrinkles, to cut inches of flesh off, or to erase cellulite or how the model starves herself and works out six hours a day to maintain the unhealthy body she's displaying. All he thinks is, quote, wow, she is attractive. And I wish my wife was that attractive too, unquote. It's worth repeating. It is truly amazing how the digital age has separated women's body parts from the whole human woman and conditioned us to engage sexually and relationally with the parts, but not the human herself. Never before in history could anyone imagine this sort of warped disconnect. Yet today it is the formula for sex ingrained into the deepest core of our brains. Men's brains have become preoccupied with finding sexual partners who have superhuman qualities created by Photoshop and fantasies. And we won't rest until we do because fantasy trumps reality every time. Who wants a regular woman when you can create a, quote, woman with perfect mutant breasts, skin, and sex drive? The truth is, our digital age has conditioned us to be attracted to something that is not human. This is disturbing if you think about it. If you took a survey and asked whether we were meant to be attracted to A, human beings, or to B, mutants, silicone, ink, megabytes, and pixels, it's a safe bet we'd all agree we are meant to be attracted to human beings. But the digital age of sex has trained us to be attracted to something real human women simply cannot compete with. Even the real-life women we lust over often fall into this category. My wife and I recently attended a minor league hockey game on what happened to be college night. The place was packed with college girls who were dressed to impressed. My wife commented that she too used to spend hours in the bathroom getting done up the same way in college, yet knows how unrealistic and unneeded that is in everyday married life. The single scene is just as much an act as the cover of Playboy magazine is, and men chase both with abandon. Imagine you met a 30-year-old man who was sincerely attempting to track down the real Santa Claus. He had figured out a travel plan to the North Pole, purchased hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Arctic camping and exploration equipment, and won't rest until he finds the man in the red suit, Rudolph, and all the little elves. Insane, correct? Yet we are no different when we chase the fictional women of fantasy. The woman you are fantasizing about is not any more real than Santa Claus. It's no wonder people get bored with their spouses. Even the celebrities who marry the actual picture-perfect models and movie stars we lust over get bored and end up ditching them. 
the woman in the picture is much more exciting than the same woman in real life. You can fall in love with Katniss Everdeen of the Hunger Games movies, but I promise you that marrying Jennifer Lawrence in reality will not be what you are picturing as you sit in the movie theater, let alone how you would go to real prison for stalking her. The magic of fiction is that none of the characters actually exist, yet we see them as if they did. In a sermon on prayer, a friend's pastor shared how he caught himself sincerely praying for Jack Bauer from the TV show 24. Footnote, played by actor Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer was the main character in the popular TV show 24, which aired from 2001 to 2010. End of footnote. This is hilarious. It shows how fictional characters can feel so real to us, even though we know they're not. This makes for a funny sermon illustration, but it is sad and scary when so many men are trading in their entire relational and sexual reality for the same type of imaginary characters. Imagine if this same pastor quit his job and moved to Los Angeles so he could help save Jack Bauer's life. Footnote. Los Angeles is where many of the 24 plot lines were set. End of footnote. That sort of distortion and waste is precisely what sexual fantasy is doing to us. With pornography, you can have millions of electronically altered nude, quote, women at your fingertips. Red hair, blonde hair, or dark, and all photoshopped and airbrushed to perfection. It's like visiting an all-you-can-eat buffet that changes every five minutes. Later, you go to be with your wife and it feels like the same old brown bag lunch you've had for years. Real women cannot become shapeshifters, yet that's what the digital age has conditioned us to desire. Even for those who aren't attracted to the fictional-looking creations of airbrushing, lighting, makeup, and exaggerated breast implants, Hollywood and the internet still have plenty of lures for you. Whether it's the girl next door, or even romantic movies that get you fantasizing about the perfect relationship or the charm you wish your wife had, these films are just as fictional as their more obvious counterparts. In fact, these subtler deceptions can be even more dangerous because they can easily get you thinking about a comparable person from real life. Moreover, we typically don't have any predetermined defense built up against them. Although we might use an internet filter to screen out hardcore pornography, we figure we can handle these lower-level stimulants, so we let them run free. They pile up and redirect us before we even realize it. The models and actresses we lust over are playing a role, as is the cute girl who's batting her eyes at you. What you are seeing is not real. The relationships, attraction, and seduction they promise are not real. The story they are playing out and the characters they are portraying do not exist in real life. It's why strippers use code names. It's why one of the most irritating things that can happen to an actor or actress is to be recognized in public by their character's name rather than their actual name. It's why the woman who wants to have an affair with you only shows you her fake good side completely ignoring all the collateral damage an affair will bring to your life. If a woman dresses up in a hamburger costume, it doesn't change the fact that she's still a woman and not actually a hamburger. 
These models and actresses are paid to put on costumes and act out parts, just as Hugh Jackman is paid to wear his Wolverine costume. He's not actually Wolverine. He doesn't actually have superpowers. Sad, I know. He doesn't wear his costume to the grocery store, and you should not address him as Wolverine if you run into him there. We need to take what we already know about our TV and movie fantasies and apply them to our sexual and relational fantasies. To fail to do so is both insane and disastrous. Fading Beauty What is sad and ironic about the way our culture conditions us to view sex is that its view is blatantly pre-designed to fail. Like building a pyramid upside down or an airplane with only one wing, this approach obviously isn't going to work. Consider, a man's current wife was a goddess when he first fell for her. It may be hard to imagine now due to years of strife, wrinkles, or weight gain, but it's true for almost every married couple. Go and find a photo from the time when you and your wife were dating or engaged, or pop in your wedding DVD. You really have the card stacked against you if you're watching your ceremony on a VHS tape. What do you see? Let's say you met when you were in your early 20s. Your wife was at the peak of her physical beauty and you were swept away. Whatever your story is, there's no doubt that physical attraction and your blindness to her flaws played some role in your romance. There's not sin in this. God designed women to be pretty so we'd fall for them. But when we camp out there for the long term, what inevitably follows is the classic tale of chasing the golden-haired woman, as discussed in chapter 4. Your wife used to take your breath away when she walked into the room. Now she's just a person with a whole bunch of issues. Meanwhile, your engine still revs for the sleek, youthful goddesses who cross your path but not for the hassle and monotony of your wife. Depending on what research you read and what angle the research takes, it is often reported that around 50% of all marriages end in divorce. We have to push the pause button and figure out how we got here. Nobody plans to get a divorce when they say their vows. Yet, here we are. The system we operate under when it comes to love, sex, and marriage is obviously flawed to the extreme. Imagine a restaurant where only 50% of the food served is edible, or a car company where only 50% of the cars produced work. Nobody would buy what these companies are selling. No one would invest in them. Their utter failure would not only be national news, but would make them the laughing stock of their industries and the butt of jokes worldwide. Yet, when it comes to the romance industry, that is, everything in our culture that conditions us to see sex the way we do, despite its colossal failure to produce results, we continue to buy, invest, gorge on, and obsess over what it's selling. This very broken system can be explained anecdotally. A young man is conditioned by pornography, flirtation, and premarital sex to believe that young, beautiful women are goddesses who bring men ultimate pleasure and satisfaction. When the man goes to college, he lives the high life, partying and having sex with young, attractive women in the prime of their physical beauty. He finishes college, lives this type of life for a few more years, and eventually decides to, quote, settle down with one of these young, beautiful goddesses. Then comes the major drag. 
the beautiful goddess gets older every single year. Every year adds a few more wrinkles, a little more weight, and another year's worth of relational conflict. Before the man knows it, he and his once young goddess are now both 38. With a body reflecting the three kids they've had, his one-time goddess has changed from the nubile young thing she used to be. But like any red-blooded American male, the man hasn't stopped watching the NFL and its buxom cheerleaders, perusing Sports Illustrated swimsuit editions, watching Game of Thrones, and other television dramas full of young naked bodies, which Netflix is full of nowadays, and watching movie after movie starring the most beautiful young women on the planet. Footnote. Visit www.atacrossroads.net slash vidangel to see how you can watch Game of Thrones and other TV shows and movies without the sex and nudity scenes. End of footnote. All of these stimuli continue to reinforce the message he first learned as an adolescent, that the pleasure-filled romance he longs for will be found with a woman whose body looks like a 21-year-old's. The allure of pornography is that these women never age. No matter how old the man gets, he can always find a fresh batch of photos of naked young women ready to seduce him. When a woman becomes too old to model, five young models are right there to step into her place. It's as if the attractive woman factory is stuck in a time warp that keeps churning out beautiful, ageless 25-year-olds. It's only a matter of time before a man with a wrinkled, stressed-out 38-year-old wife becomes consumed with porn, strip clubs, or cheating on his wife with someone younger and prettier. This is the reason rich old guys in their 70s and 80s are known for marrying hot young women in their 20s. Show me one time that has ever happened the other way around. This quote sugar daddy relationship reflects the mentality we have when we lust after someone who's younger and prettier than our wife. People Magazine's annual Sexiest Man Alive and FHM's annual 100 Sexiest Women in the World editions offer a great example of this broken message played out for all to read at the local magazine rack. Beginning in 1995 and running through 2016, the average age of FHM's Sexiest Woman in the World is 26.1, with ages ranging from 21 to 37. Beginning in 1985, the average age of People's Sexiest Man Alive is 38.4, with ages ranging from 27 to 59. Do the math and you see how quickly these numbers don't add up. If you're a 38-year-old man, you have a great chance of being viewed as extremely, quote, sexy by the women around you. If you're married to a 38-year-old woman, she doesn't have a chance of making the, quote, sexy list. She has aged out from the sexy competition. Well, you still have another 20 years left to strut your stuff. In the very broken system that is fed to us and demonstrated by these two, quote, sexiest lists, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out why so many men feel trapped in their marriages and yearn for prettier, more youthful women. And it doesn't take a rocket science to see the damage this system does to the self-worth of women who don't embody the young 20s body shape anymore or perhaps never did. It's no wonder the global market for anti-aging products is estimated to reach 
191.7 billion US dollars by 2019. The demand couldn't be higher. Aging women couldn't be sadder. Men couldn't be more deceived and discontent. And the big cosmetic companies and plastic surgeons couldn't be happier. We don't live in a reality where women stay in their 20s forever. Yet this is the fantasy men are sucked into and can't find a way out of. It's the illusion we are offered over and over again by our over-sexualized culture. And it's the illusion we have traded in everything to try to attain. Even if you don't struggle with lusting over the 20s body shape, the principle still applies. Our culture worships female youthfulness as the definition of beautiful, sexy, and romantic. But this definition simply isn't real. Turning someone into a collection of body parts isn't real. They are still a whole person, regardless of what we try to turn them into. Who are you allowing to define your reality? Stop living in a world of fantasy. Dive headfirst into God's design and reality for your marriage and for how you view all women. It's not important. The sad thing about reading through FHM's Sexiest Woman in the World list is it shows just how temporary and fleeting youthful beauty really is. You're only 26.1 years old once. One has to wonder what happens after that. We put so much emphasis and value on young, beautiful women. What do these former winners think of themselves now? Some of them are now in their late 40s and early 50s, a long way from the time when the world thought they were so amazing. This ought to be a reminder to us that physical beauty simply isn't very important, and we need to start treating women with this in mind. It holds some importance and was created by God and has its time and place, but it has nowhere near the importance or deification our culture puts on us. We can use this truth as our ally when combating sexual temptation. When we are lusting over a woman or are tempted to have an affair based on someone's surface characteristics, we are essentially betting the farm on one temporary characteristic. We get swept away by someone's looks and become intoxicated with the idea that this single trait is important enough to risk everything on. For at least that moment in time, it becomes the most important attribute in the universe. In reality, this is a lie, as we can all attest. Physical attractiveness isn't the be-all, end-all it's cracked up to be. There's a reason most of the women on the sexiest woman in the world list have gone through breakup after breakup, with many of their men eventually cheating on them or leaving them for a newer, prettier lady. Many of us can think of the prettiest girl from high school and how she was also the most selfish or most obnoxious. Many of us have gone on dates with women we met online or met casually. We liked what we saw, but quickly realized there wasn't much else to like. Some have gone as far as to marry a woman simply because she was outwardly pretty, only to find out they got much more, or maybe much less is a better term, than they bargained for. If we can minimize the value of physical beauty, we will be better able to thwart its attempts to seduce us. If physical beauty really cashed out in the end, 
it would be much harder to resist. But if we realize that over the long haul, this fleeting physical characteristic is worth only nickels and pennies, it will become a lot easier to walk by the dirty coin looking up at us from the sidewalk without sliding into a world of life-sapping fantasy. It's just not valuable enough to trade in what really matters for what doesn't. A helpful tool is to audibly tell yourself, quote, looks are not important, unquote, when you're feeling tempted. This can break fantasy's magnetic pull and allow you to continue with your life. When you see an attractive woman, just see her as a woman, a human being. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. This is as practical as it can be. If you want to loosen the grip lust's magnet has on you, do this. When you see an attractive woman, view her as you would an average-looking woman. You know what I'm talking about. When a man sees an average-looking woman, he just treats her as a person. There's no worshiping. There's no dehumanizing. There's no fantasy or hope. There's just normal conversation with dignity and respect. This isn't the case with an attractive woman. A man's heart rate goes up. The flirtatious smile widens. Jokes are attempted. These are all symptoms of overvaluing physical appearance as if it were the most important quality on planet Earth. In reality, physical appearance just isn't important, and we need to call that out as men. Just allow an attractive woman to be a human without giving her extra power. Remember, it's not her fault she's attractive. In fact, some attractive women get tired of being treated differently. They're tired of the extra attention. Allow yourself to see attractive women without fantasizing about what she's like or what you'd be like together. You can retrain your brain to do this. Attractive women are just as human as the rest of us. Nothing more, nothing less than human. Physical attractiveness fades. But some other pretty cool traits grow as you spend more and more time with someone. As the years goes on, a relationship matures. The one flesh bond gets stronger. Shared memories, secrets, children, family, inside jokes, mutual hobbies, and a myriad of other shared experiences create an attractiveness and loyalty that runs much deeper and is more substantial than surface level attraction. The surface draw will still be there. The difference is that we choose to remember that it's not what's important and we choose to appreciate and enjoy the things that are. There will be days when working the apple orchard is difficult. The sun will be hot. Your back will hurt. And the temptation to leave your responsibilities for an escape will seem overwhelming. Run to Jesus, the one whose grace is all sufficient for you during these times. Call out what isn't important and ask Jesus to remind you of what is. Ask him how you can worship him by embracing reality and investing in the good grass he's given you. See your longing to escape as the flashing red light you need to begin an investment initiative into your reality, diving deep into who you are in Jesus. Total Exposure The purpose of this chapter is to thoroughly expose living in fantasy for the lie it is to allow you to see what fantasy actually is and what it is actually doing to you. The only thing real about fantasy is the reality that it will enslave and imprison you. 
You will long for fantasy while you feel stuck in your everyday shriveled up reality. The only way to fix this is to turn the tables. If you are longing for fantasy, it's because you aren't investing enough in your reality. If the grass looks greener on the other side, it's because you're investing time and thought across the fence rather than investing in the grass beneath your feet. The grass under your feet is shriveling from neglect while you tend to and nourish the grass beyond the fence. This is true whether you are married or single. God gave each of us one reality to attend to. Is there a guarantee your marriage will become better if you decide to embrace reality and water the grass you're standing on? No, not necessarily, though that subtitle would sell a lot of books. This very well may happen, but it also may not, or it may take a long time for the green to appear. The point isn't that you can count on the rewards reality will bring. The point is that you need to get out of the destructive cycle fantasy always produces. Yearning for fantasy is a surefire guarantee your reality will get worse and worse and be filled with increasing heartache and pain. It's as if you have a nail stuck in your foot. Taking it out is a really good idea. Taking it out doesn't guarantee you'll heal beautifully and be able to walk farther than ever, but leaving it in guarantees you will continue to be miserable. There's no surefire quick fix formula for making your reality better, but there is definitely a surefire formula for making it worse, and that is to keep living in fantasy.